Hi guys, I'm André Villas-Boas, listening to Echoes of Glory. And don't forget, whatever happens, the future is bright, the future is lily white. Come on, you Spurs. Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 10, Episode 9. I'm Jack. Hi, Steve. And it's almost a year to the day since Tottenham appointed Jose Mourinho. So what we're going to do on this week's podcast is we're going to look back over the last year. We're going to talk about whether or not we think it's been a good appointment, where we think we're going as a side under Jose and review sort of some of the best and our favourite moments so far. Um, so I guess the first place to, to start before we get into all of that is there was some sad news um, at the end of last week about the passing of Ray Clements, um, who I think that anybody that ever had the pleasure of seeing him play it was a little bit before my time all just say what a fantastic goalkeeper he was like and you've had all the tributes that have been on Sky Sports and TalkSport over the last few days have been like real legends of the game um, given their sort of thoughts on what a fantastic player professional and person um, he was and you know obviously I, I knew that he'd had a successful career but I was a little bit blown away when I sort of saw all of the honours that he did win um, and so it's, it's like sometimes you don't always appreciate how much some of these players have won until like they pass and you and you see some of the records but yeah like I said anybody that ever saw him play always holds him in the highest regards and he, he's one of the best goalkeepers that Spurs have had that's that that's for sure uh, yeah I mean he's a Liverpool legend there's an amazing clip that Stato put up of his first trip back to Anfield and to a man everyone in the cop end has got their arms above their head clapping him and he's come going to them clapping punch in the air those you don't build that connection with the fans without one being a great footballer and two being a great man. He made 470 appearances for Liverpool and for he was seven league appearances, 470 league appearances, and then and then had seven years with us. And he helped. He won the FA Cup with us and played 330 times for us. That's that's a crazy amount of football games. That's like nearly a thousand games. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, played for England. He's in our Hall of Fame. He was on our coaching staff. And there's there's not one person that has a bad word to say about him. So a real loss for the game. So very very sad. So we want to talk a little bit now about Jose. Well, not a little bit. We want to talk a lot about Jose on today's pod. So I guess the first place to start with him is it's been a year. Do you think that we've progressed and moved on in the year since he's been in charge? Uh, undoubtedly, uh, undoubtedly. And I think it, we we can't do this without talking about Poch, right? We, we can't. Yeah. And it's it's unfair because Poch, um, I mean, the, the Poch was sacked because since the beginning of 2019, he, we lost 18 games and no Premier League side had lost more games. We were the worst team yeah. that year. And it really wasn't that decline. Uh, it wasn't just the start of 2019 that that started. And it, it was a real shame, shameful period. And it just, it's such a sad thing because if you have a look at the numbers for Pochettino, I mean, he's a four, he, 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 he managed the fourth uh, highest amount of games for us at 293, only behind Bill Nicholson, Peter McWilliam and Keith Birkinshaw. And Bill Nick, for example, by the way, 832 games compared to, <laughs> which is crazy. He's got the highest win percentage of any Premier League manager, apart from Dim Deadwood, but we don't we don't give him any credit for that. We'll discount him, Sherwood. But so Pochettino, and if you have a look, I mean, top four finishing four out of the five seasons he was in charge. I mean, when he started, imagine he came in 
Um, and the, 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 his brief was to win and to get into the Champions League consistently. You can just tick that. You won 159 games, which is the most wins by a Spurs manager in the post-war era. He obviously got us in the Champions League and got us the Champions League final. Like you can't take that away from the man. He did an unbelievable job, Pochettino. Like I don't think there's any question in it. It's a real shame that we didn't have a, a big trophy to sort of seal what the reign was. And he said that on Monday Night Football when he was on a few weeks ago that that was all it lacked. And if we had of, you know, if we had have won that Champions League, that would have just rounded it all off. I think he probably would have gone to be honest after that because yeah, it's like what I more. What more can you do at that point? Like, you know, you've you've gone from being nowhere to then, you know, the, being a being a champions of Europe. Like, it would have just been a ridiculous ending, but it it wasn't to be. But no, he did an amazing job. But you, you do you're right with what you say that you have to remember how bad the league form was. Mm. Like, didn't we lose? We lost twelve or thirteen games in his last full season, which is like it's a third of the games. Like, That's bad. It's really, it really bad. That stat there that you said about the most league defeats in the calendar I've not heard that one before but I mean it it was basically like bottom half to relegation kind of form like if no, you no Premier League team lost more it's relegation form it's, yeah. it's not it's not difficult here it's he and I don't blame him for that totally I, I the management we saw this with Harry do you remember with Harry they didn't give him money a little bit by the end that they just took money away because they knew something was wrong and something happened with Pochettino we didn't really understand that from the Amazon documentary we just saw basically we saw a bit of a montage we didn't see much of Pochettino and then it was really all about Jose and I, 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 sorry to interrupt but I do remember the turning point being that defeat at Turf Moor right yeah. at the start of the year and do you remember he really lost his call with Mike Dean yeah and something had gone on around that time that was sort of when it really started to fall apart and that with the away form just completely I mean it's dreadful wasn't it like it we went yeah. at, didn't we go some in like six or seven months without keeping a clean sheet away from home it might have even been longer than that like it's it, so it, bad it and the problem was the the form that we had shown had shown that we, we could have done it and there was all this talks about losing the dressing room maybe but do you remember how embarrassing the, the 7-2 was to, Bar to Bayern Munich well, it's not, it's not quite as embarrassing now. At the time, it was humiliating. But now seeing what Bayern have done to most of the big boys in Europe, it's not quite as bad. But at the time, it was But, but then, we, then we can't say that, that West Brom was a good win because they, they held us out. And that, that's the similarity and that's the difference in quality there. I think, you know, if we're West Brom and, uh, and they are Spurs in that situation, then we can't say 7-2 isn't that bad. It, it's... We can't have Napri, and it was a you know they they only scored two in the first half, but then to, to leak five goals, it was so embarrassing, and that's the manager's job. The bit for me, he where he lost it was, do you remember there was a a conference when he was weirdly emotional and he was talking about how his job was director of football, not yeah the manager, and then you were like oh something's not right here and he changed his job and it, it over the summer and it just something wasn't right and then it didn't feel like he was Pochettino's Tottenham it felt like it was Pochettino and Spurs and there was something wrong there and then you could tell that was the case when you know suddenly we got all the signing people signing their contracts you know Toby re signing his contract as soon as he left and then they, everyone was talking about how they liked the vision and, and it just felt like it had run its course and I, I don't think he was given the chance to build a new team but here we are. We're talking about Jose. Mm. Um, I think I don't think we'd have Jose without Pochettino. 
than everything he did because Jose took us to uh, Pochettino took us to a level we've never seen. Not in my lifetime, I don't think we've never seen the quality, the flair, the competitiveness, everything. I just don't think we we'd have Jose come in and see that there's a massive club here who were just who were there's there's a little bit of magic or organisation and investment away from doing serious serious things like winning things and I think Jose tips you from being contenders to being winners yeah I, I think I think that's the best thing for me because if you look back at Poch and it, even under Harry you know there's a lot of semi-finals and obviously there's a couple of final defeats with Poch and it's like you've got a group of players get you to that moment but then you just need that extra five percent to get you over the line and mm. of course there's an argument to say that all that that players Gareth Bale and you know those kind of signings are the players that get you over the line but also you know from a manager's point of view tactically and the in getting the players mentality correct like that's what Jose brings and I think I do agree with what you said that Jose doesn't happen without Potts because I don't think that Jose Mourinho even the Jose Mourinho that he is now which isn't the Jose that first came to Chelsea and won the treble at Inter. He's not, he's not that manager anymore. He's, he's different. But I don't think he takes any job in club management if he doesn't think that there's going to be significant funds there and the ability to challenge for the major, major honours. Like, he doesn't strike me as somebody that would have took the Spurs job and gone, you know what, I'll take Spurs, I'll get us into the Champions League, like, I'll be happy with that. Like, he, that's not him. Like, he's a guy that wants to win everything. And I just can't, I can't see a world where he would have accepted that. Oh, okay, no, it's fine. I'm not going to. I'm not going to you know, attempt to win the league in the Champions League. Like I just could never ever see that happening to him. Yes. So I agree with that, and I think that it's been a very very interesting appointment. And I say that because there was a lot of division when he came in. That it, I, I, I would say that I would say that Spurs fans were almost fifty fifty when he was brought in. Around some people were like great appointment, others were like nope, can't stand the guy. But I, you, I do think that there's been a change in Jose. Like he does seem a lot calmer, and we, you're not getting as much of the antics, especially if you compare it to his reign at Man United, where it felt like every press conference and game it was the Mourinho show. Mm. Whereas I do feel like he sort of calmed down and mellowed out a little bit. I wonder if the fact that there's not fans in the stadium. Is a is contributing to that? I wonder. You know, if there's 62,000 there every other week at White Hart Lane. You know, he's a bit of a showman. Like, is is part of him playing up to it? I'm not sure. Um, but I think he's been a brilliant appointment. I think for me, the the biggest changes that I've seen is the the mentality, especially the new guys that he's brought in. Hoybjerg being the sort of the the at the forefront of that. Like, just win at all costs. Like, you don't accept defeat. Like, that Jose mentality, you're definitely starting to see that brought into the team. But I think the biggest two things for me are his flexibility with how we approach games and, like, tactically how we set up. There's a lot more emphasis now on what is the opposition strength and how are we going to stop that. And I think that under Pochettino, and there's no right or wrong way of doing it, Pochettino's mentality was always, well, this is what we're good at, so we're going to do that. And we're not going to worry as much about the opposition. Whereas I think Jose's more the other way. And if you're playing Liverpool, his first thought is, how are we stopping Salah, Mane, Firmino? That's the first thing that we're going to work on. And then everything after that is a bonus. Whereas I think Poch was the other way around and was a lot more, what can we do on this game? So that's 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 been a big, big difference for me. And the squad rotation. The squad rotation so far this season has been absolutely brilliant. And I know, I know, that, I know there's an argument of, 
he's got a bigger and a better squad than what previous managers have had, which yeah, he probably has. Um, but the way that we're managing it is like, especially Harry Kane. It's like if we're tuning up in a Europa League game, he's coming off after an hour, or he can't always always playing forty five minutes, and we're really managing him. And there's this thing, isn't there, that we've got an A team and a B team at the moment, and the B team plays in the Europa League. Like brilliant. Like that, that's fantastic. That's what you want. And Poch used to do it slightly differently, didn't he? Where he'd sort of like play one team consistently for five or six games and then he'd make some changes. Yeah. But it, and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. And I guess the argument is that under Jose so far, we, he hasn't been doing the squad rotation for a long enough period of time for us to truly say whether or not his approach is correct or not. But if you look at where we are, you know, we're top of our Europa League group. We're in the League Cup quarterfinals. We're second in the league, or we're we second, second in the league. league. Second, we're second in the Premier League. Um, you know, it couldn't really be going much Mate, better. The, the bit for me was that week, was the last week before the first international break, where we had Newcastle, where we played Thursday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, where we played Scandia, Newcastle in the league, then Chelsea, then Maccabee Haifa, then Man United. That for me, that was my worst nightmare under Pochettino because it would it wouldn't be managed. It would be first team, like it would be really blunt. First team, first team, second team, first team, or something like that. And we wouldn't we would win one of those games, yeah. but uh, we drew Newcastle to a really unlucky handball in the last minute, which wasn't deserved. Beating Chelsea like with a second team, and they wanted to win that, battering high Maccabi Haifa in a really important game, but. It was it was really important, but it was less imp- it potentially less important than the other. It had to be really balanced, and then going up and doing what we did to Man United was just amazing. You forget yeah. as well that Europa League game we had on that Thursday night wasn't a group stage game. That was a straight knockout. So if we had have lost that, we would have been out. We wouldn't have even got in the group stage. So it, it. it was we back- played three back to back knockouts, and two of them we we flew away to Plovdiv and Skendia. He's, he managed it superbly and I'm, I'm looking at the games we've lost so we lost to Antwerp 1-0 in a bit of a weird game mm. uh, Everton we lost when it was just the start of the season we didn't really have a pre-season and they were flying so 1-0 whatever and then I'm just looking back we haven't lost a huge amount of games like we had a really weird bit where we lost four in a row so last game before that Sheffield United we lost 3-1 yeah. peculiar we were terrible that night as well really man. really bad Leipzig Battered by Leipzig, really embarrassed by Leipzig. But then we had this period where we lost 4-3 to Norwich at home. We lost 3-2 to Wolves at home, 2-1 to Chelsea away. And then Leipzig, uh, the last of the Champions League games, Leipzig. Um, that was really weird. Yeah, that was one of his worst runs of his manager career, wasn't it, Jose, mm. that, that run? But yeah, it's, um, that's the difference. Like we don't, We don't lose many games now. Like, I know there's been a couple of frustrating draws. Like we should have beaten West Ham, we should have beaten Newcastle, but it's like we're not we're not getting beaten. We're competitive, and I think <coughs> the criticism after the Everton loss on the opening day of the season was that we weren't competitive enough. Like we just sort of drifted, and it was like it just it was a nothing performance. And I think that since then it's been very very clear that you know you've got to go into all of these games of intensity. And I I just like the fact that when we've when we've had those few dodgy results. The Europa League one, was it to Antwerp? We lost 1-0 in the Everton one. We've bounced back. Mm-hmm. And it's like you can then see the next game, the first 15 minutes, the players are so pumped up and the pace of the game is second to none. And again, again, I think that that's an important thing as well, that it's like you can lose, but you've got to react. Yeah. 
Like, and I'm definitely starting to see that. And he must be starting to see that as well. And I think that last season must have been interesting for Joseph because he came in, he knew that really he was sort of going to have to get through the rest of the season with the group of players that, he'd, that he had. He might be able to bring one or two in in January, but ultimately that was the group of players. Mm-hmm. Um, and he clearly, and you sit on the documentary, was trying to instill that winning mentality and that attitude that, you know, you never give up, you never give in. Um and I think that he probably realised towards the back end of last season that some of the players don't have the attitude that he wants and they're not his type of player. And he's gone away and he's brought in players that do. And, you know, when you can top the transfer window off by bringing Bale in, like, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's unbelievable. But I think that the guys that have come in, Hart and Hoybjerg, and we, we talk a lot about Hoybjerg because he brings something that is so clear to see now. But a year ago, you probably didn't, it was difficult to see that we lacked that. It's um, very difficult to buy what he's got. Yeah. Because he's got, he is You can't serious. coach it. You, you can't, can't coach it. it. And it's I don't think that's a, plat- a platitude. He reminds me of Keane. He reminds me of Ramos. Like, there are very few players like him. I, th- I think we've, he, he, he's one of those players. He, do you remember that quote from Zidane about Makaleli? Do you remember they sold Makaleli? And I can't remember who they brought in. Maybe even Ronaldo, but they, they brought in a superstar forward. But Zidane said, like, why put an extra... Um, coat of gold paint on the car when you sold the engine and it, it's it, I don't think that's literally about the physical running of football I think it's the the heart of the club as mm. well like Ramos is Mr Madrid and I think Hoiberg could be Mr Tottenham I think he could be one of the, the all-time greats because he he can run that team I think he, he would be the best captain we've had in years years yeah I, ju- I just think that all of the best sides in, in the world, and, and this doesn't have to be teams that win the Champions League or titles, but if you just think of like good teams in the last 15, 20 years, even longer than that, they all have one or two characters, and they're not always the best player in the world. Sometimes you get the absolute, you know, incredible combination where you get the guy that's got the winning attitude and he's an unbelievable footballer. And like Roy Keane's always the first player. Like that is Roy Keane, right? That he, you know, not only did he demand the most of everyone, he was an unbelievable player. It's Ronaldo, well, right? Ronaldo's the king of that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I would, I wouldn't disagree with that. But I just think all of the, all, all sides that are successful have to have a couple of those kind of characters in there. And I just think that, especially in, if you're playing in the middle of, middle of the park, like you need to have a bit about you. Like you do, especially in the Premier League. And it's like, he's been brilliant. I've, I've been really, really surprised with Joe Hart in a positive way. Mm. Because when we signed him, I thought, I just thought it makes sense. He's homegrown. It'll be the third choice keeper. Like he's not going to play. But actually, no, he's come in. He's played in, in European games. And just from that first interview he did where he said he knows what his role is. He knows what he's bringing. Like he's not deluded. He knows he's not going to be the first choice keeper. But he knows he needs to be ready when he's called upon. And what he will bring something, you know, he brings experience. He's won the Premier League, you know, he's played at World Cups. Like, he's not the best goalkeeper in the world, but he's not he's not going to play. So he can offer something slightly differently. So, and, and Reggie at left back as well. Like, he, for me, just looks like an absolutely unbelievable signing. And again, you can see him in games, like when we concede and when we score. Like, he's quite an emotional player. And I like that. He's just somebody that's going to put absolutely everything into the games he plays. Obviously, you have to match that with the technical and tactical ability. But like some players don't have that drive. And I think now I look around in that team and I think we've got you know, a centre midfielder, a fullback. I mean, Dyer, I would I'll put Dyer in that group as a, a guy that's got that attitude. Again, he's not the best player in the world, but he's got that attitude. You've got Kane up front. All of a sudden, like there's three or four in the starting eleven that 
not only decent players have got have got the mindset. So I'm I'm feeling really optimistic. I think the way that we've started the season, like scoring goals left, right, and centre, has been you know fantastic. The, the, obviously, the longer that we get into the season, the fitter Bale gets, and the more Bale, Kane, and Son can work on their trio in attack. So that's only going to get better. So I think there's lots of reasons to be to be positive with with Jose. And I just think that the side, like in 12 months, if you think back to that first game, which was the 3-2 win at West Ham, um, and even, you know, you just look at the formations, but if you look at personnel and style of play, and, you know, we were very much sort of like played very direct and counter-attacked that day. Um, but now there seems to be a lot more element of control and calmness to our game, which I think that we'd lacked for quite a while. Um, so that's been a big change for me as well. But yeah, like I said, I'm I'm very optimistic, and I think that he's done a very very good job so far. And I think well, he'll be looking at this season thinking the Europa Leagues, we've got a shot in that quarterfinals of the League Cup, we've got a shot in that, and we're and we're second in the league. Like it could really, if you you know, if you review in a season in November, we couldn't be in a much better position than what we are. I think we since he took over we and if you did all game like uh premier league from the point he took over we'd be third behind liverpool and yeah. city which you can't argue with and then you have a look at his points per game it's at 1.8 whereas pochettino and everyone else is at 1.5 1.58 1. 1. 1.59 like he's he's changing us slowly into and the games we're winning we talked about the west brom game the brighton game the burnley game they're games we would have lost or drawn previously. You know, it's that's not very. It, it, it's. I I think it's been a very 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 good appointment, and I didn't want him. I didn't want him when when as soon as Pochettino got sacked, we said on the group like I just. Well, I was like, oh, it's going to be Mourinho, and the thing with Mourinho is he's going to come in. It's going to be all about him, and he's going to make a big. He's going to take out one of the players. So take out one of the big players, Hugo. Harry, you know, someone like that. But he, he hasn't, I mean, maybe that's daddy, but I think he's done that. It's not like Mata was or Casillas was. Um, I'd argue he, that he hasn't even really done that with Delhi because, you know, he came in and Delhi was the main man to start with. And mm. it was Bele that was nowhere. And they've, yeah. they've flipped, haven't they? Now, now, you know, if we're all picking now, what side do we want to see play against the City? We'd all have Bele in it. Whereas a year ago, if we just said, who do we want to play in, you know, starting in that first game against West Ham, we all would have had Delhi in it. So I don't think it's that it's that Delhi's finished, but we did a bit on the pod of three or four weeks ago about Delhi and about how I think that he needs to completely reinvent his game to get back into the side. But Undumbele has shown that if you work hard and listen to what Jose wants, you can get yourself back in. Um, but time will tell, I guess, with him. Yeah, uh, I'm a fan. I, I was speaking to a friend of the show, Annette Smith, on Twitter. Um, I used the... I, I wound her up a bit. I, uh, I, I, she's a massive Pochettino fan. Her misses him, and I, I gave her a tweet of, you know, he's magic. You know, Jose Mourinho, which fits perfectly, and nothing go down well. But then she put out a a a, a thing to her followers, a, a, a poll on whether for Pochettino or Jose, or whether Jose was the right appointment. And it was literally with 50 plus respondents, 50 50 split. Mm. The, the Spurs fans are still split. And I'm not sure if that's Chelsea or whether that's Ego or someone bigger than the club. But like you say, the biggest thing for me is that it's not about him as much. Like if you go back to have a look at his first season at Chelsea when he's running on the pitch, gouging yeah. Wenger's eyes, we don't have that. Like He's a 57-year-old man now. I think we've got a more mature, more 
intelligent. He's adapted his game. Like if you have a look, Capello is old now, but I always think about Capello. If you have a look at what Capello has won, both as a player and as a manager, it's insane. And he's not in management, but he didn't update his game in the same way. He, he didn't really fit in for England because he didn't. He hadn't updated his game, and he sort of dropped off a bit. Whereas Mourinho, like the greats, has adapted his game, and and I'm a big, fan. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. I think the, it's always interesting the, who do you prefer, Poch or Jose? What well, I'm not, just going back to the the poll that's been put out, um, and I think because they are so polar opposite in every single way, that's like why it's such an interesting debate. And I think that you know, I, I absolutely loved Pochettino, and I've never, I don't think I've ever like had that kind of feeling towards a manager in a team before. Like I loved the Redknapp years and and the Yole years before that as well, where you started to get a bit of belief. Mm. But like Poch just, I don't, I can't even really describe what he brought, but it just felt different with him when he was in charge. And that side was just, you know, it was, it was Tottenham team, wasn't it? Like we played with flair, we attacked, but it just lacked that trophy. And I think having those brilliant years with Poch and getting so close almost made it more painful that we didn't, we didn't have anything to show for it at the end of it. And I think that's why for a lot of fans, it was a case of liked Poch, we just need to win stuff now. Let's just bring someone in that can win. And even if the football and everything that goes with it's not great, we just need some success. And you know what? I, I agree with that. I think if Potch had won something, like he would go, you know, it's, it, it would be the complete managerial reign, really. Yeah. But it, it wasn't to be that like, I thought Jose was a great appointment. I remember when we did the emergency pod when Potch was sacked and Jose was appointed 12 months ago, which, I mean, the fact that was a year ago is pretty mad. Yeah. And I remember saying that. I thought it was good for us to go in a different direction. I think that sometimes like that's what you have to do. And it's like, if you're doing something a certain way, it doesn't work. Why do something that's very similar? Why not just completely rip it up and go, we're going to try something different now for a bit. And that might not work, but we know what we're doing at the minute. It's not working. So yeah, why not yeah. change it all? And well, that's what we've done. You go went from Red Knapp, who was zero plan, but like loads of options, played players, made players play their best. Was super lucky to be in charge when we had like Gomez, King, Modric, Modric, Bale, Defoe, Lennon at their peak. Um, and then he moved to AVB, which was Plan A, and that's it. But super organised. Then into Sherwood. Then in to, like with his ego and just a bit with with zero plan really. Then into Pochettino, um, who will be. It might be the greatest. I think it will be the most fun I will ever have uh, have had at Spurs. And then Mourinho, maybe we see the most trophies. But it's a bit like when Greece won the Euros. Like it's an amazing thing to look back on. Look back on. But maybe we don't enjoy it quite as much as Pochettino. I'm. I think there's also in the Spurs fans' memories, like we can't. You can't untie him from White Hart Lane as yeah. well. And just the the, the memory of that because it was our last season. And obviously that final season was amazing. We talked about that to death. But you can't decouple that. And the Wembley year, the year I had my season ticket was amazing for, because it was like, we're away from home. It felt like a special year, but it didn't quite hit the heights. We had a few amazing games. Obviously the Real Madrid one comes to mind, but that, that it didn't feel like Spurs. It felt like temporary Spurs. Mm -hmm. And then he, he never really got going at the new ground. And I think, I don't know, it's now Mourinho's ground and we, we have to move forward to that. So I'm a fan, I'm a fan. What's the best What's the best Jose result so far? You can't look past United. You, you cannot look past United. I was just looking at um, all the games and I, you can't look past United because of... 6-1 at Old Trafford. 
Like that seems crazy months. considering we hadn't won there in the Premier League era until AVB, right? Is it the Premier League era? We hadn't won there in in 50 years or something crazy. Yeah. And it, it just, I'm just looking through the results now. Uh, 6-1 away at Old Trafford is absolutely crazy. Now, I was going to say this actually, like you think United have got an amateur manager, mm. Chelsea have got an amateur manager, City have got a manager losing steam, Liverpool obviously got one of the best managers, and the, but their their team's running out. I, I think in the results, and uh, Arsenal have got an amateur manager, but who is, who's got a bit of spirit but hasn't got the squad. I think our results against the top six this season, we, we should be picking up full points. I, I, I think that this season will be weird in terms of I think that all of the traditional top six are going to take points off of each other. Mm. But I think that I think that especially with there being no fans, every top six clash, both the sides going into those games will fancy that they can win. Because it's like it doesn't matter if you're home or away or whatever, like they'll, everybody will back themselves, especially because mm. no one can defend. I actually think that this season. The important thing when we play the other top six sides is to not lose. Not lose, yeah, for sure. Because if you think back to you know, even last season where we didn't get in the Champions League, we lost home and away to Chelsea mm. and we took one point off of Sheffield United. And yeah. I know the case is, oh, if you win all those games differently, but it's like even if you just draw them all, like you're gaining a lot of points on, on, those, on those sides around you. So I think yeah. the important thing is to not lose a lot of them. And I actually think that the side that ends up winning the league will be the team that just is the most consistent against the rest. Yeah. Because that's where you're seeing the shock results. Because, like, it's not a shock if Chelsea go to City and win or draw. Like, it, it, it might be a little bit like, oh, I didn't expect that. But it's not a massive shock. Whereas, like, at the minute, it's like Brighton going to Arsenal and winning, for example. It's like, what's happened there? Like, yeah. they're the games that I think if we can, if we can win them and then just focus on not getting beat in the majority of the games against the big so I think that you can be there or thereabouts. And I think that I think around I think maybe even eighty four points might even win the league this year. I think it'll be low. I don't think you'll need to get ninety to win it. Yeah, I think yeah. mid eighties I think gives you a really, really good shot. That's why those Burnley, Brighton and West Brom games are so important. But I, I want to go back to two other games, two other Jose games. Uh our game of the season last season, do you remember? Man City. Yeah, because we were pumped. I said in the end of season review show that we did, we battered them. We didn't. We we got absolutely pumped that game. That game. And I, I I wouldn't be surprised if we only had two shots on target. Um, but that was amazing. We just it, it we just escaped. But the other one uh, in one of his first games, five nil against Burnley. Just just battered them. That was the sun goal, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, with his broken arm. And Kane scored an absolute rocket from twenty five yards after about five minutes, didn't he? It was, <laughs> yeah. That was just an absolute. Was it three or four nil at half time? That game wasn't it. Yeah, like, that was really good. Proper game over stuff. Yeah, that yeah. was excellent. But like, I, you know, I think back to even you know, I don't think you can underestimate how important it is for a manager to win his first game. And I think back to that three two win at West Ham when we were three nil up, weren't we? After about an hour, and like again, we should have won four five nil. Ended up being three two, but that was fantastic because that initial bounce was everything we needed. Yeah. And it was like goals coming from all over the pitch, like Delhi in fo- in great form. Like that was that was amazing. And you feel like if that had been his first game and we'd have lost that one nil, everyone would have been going, "Oh, why have we brought in?" Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. football fans are fickle, but we would have all been thinking it. Yeah. And to beat Arsenal, you know, like you, you and I will never ever get tired of beating Arsenal because for 15 years as a kid, I would 
give my mate Ryan, well, best mate's Ryan is a massive Arsenal fan. I'd give him stick if we drew with them. Yeah. Like that's the level that's the level that I'm at when we play Arsenal. Like so, I'd never ever get tired of beating them. And the fact that we come from a goal down as well, first North London derby in the new stadium to beat them was was fantastic. Yeah. So it's nice to see Toby score as well. And is that the game you're talking about? Yeah, and yes. he's got a couple of goals now against Arsenal as well, isn't he? Yeah, he loves Very it. Well. There are a couple of games. And, and the other one, which isn't necessarily like a, a big game, but was just like a, a moment where you thought this guy it could be the difference, was when we beat Olympiacos 4-2. Four two. Yeah. We were 2-0 down after about 10 minutes and we were dreadful. And he made a, he took Dyer off, didn't he, after 25 minutes and just changed the whole game. And we fought back and Kane was unbelievable in the second half and we ended up beating them 4-2 and it was comfortable. But again, that's a moment where you're like, Tune it down after 10 minutes. Like, how many managers wait until an hour before they change anything? But, like, he didn't. He was just like, it's not working. I've got it wrong. Let's change it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, if I'm going back a year ago, would you would you do it? Would you do it? Would you, you set Pochettino and take on Jose? Um, I've, you know what? It's a really difficult question to answer that because I mean, at the time, I remember when the news broke that we'd got rid of Potts. I just remember thinking, what have you done, Levy? Mm -hmm. Like, how have you, like, this guy is the best thing that, you know, we've had for a long, long time. How have you got rid of him? Um, I think, I feel for him because it was a point in the season where something needed to change and a mass squad overhaul at that point with the new stadium and the fact you're in November and you're struggling and there's unrest with senior players, like, I think getting rid of Pochettino was probably the easiest option with the quickest resolution, but might not necessarily have been the best long-term decision to have yeah, made. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think something had to change at that point, and given where we were at, you know, unfortunately players have a lot of power in the game now, and you're not just going to get rid of 15 players in the transfer window. Like it doesn't work like that. So I think it was the right decision. I just remember being so gutted when he'd gone, but then having the immediate you know, like hours later being like, oh my God, Jose Mourinho's our manager. Just like, and I think for me, that was a difference as well. Like, I think Jose being our manager, and I still get it now, was probably the first time I've ever like been in awe of of a Tottenham manager. Like, Poch came from Southampton, Espanol before that. Like, he wasn't a big name. Redknapp was probably the only one that was close enough to me being like, wow, what a big appointment. But, I mean, this is Jose Mourinho. He's one of the greatest managers ever in football. Yeah. So it's like when we got him, I was just like, what an incredible, incredible appointment that is. And I think he's done really, really well. So to actually answer your question, yeah, I would, because something needed to change, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, the position we're in now, you, you've got to say it looks like it's the right decision to, one, have got rid of him, got rid of Poch, and two, to have brought Jose in, because the trajectory that we look like we're on is pretty promising if you're a Spurs fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mate, I've got a quiz. Was it a Jose Mourinho special quiz? It's a, it's a Hugo, Hugo. A, uh, that wasn't one of the hidden answers like I did last week. But it's, uh, I've got the first 11s of both. Okay, brilliant. The, the, the first, first 11, the first 11s of their first games. God, it's hard to explain that. It's the first game. It's the first team they both put out. Pochettino. <laughs> um, I'm gonna. There's one player that was in both that started for both managers' first games. Who do you think it was? Um, was it Hugo? No, interestingly. 
Um, Eric Dyer. It's Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer. Uh, so I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you Potch's team because uh, it, it's a bit easy. The other one. Um, so I'm going to give you Potch's first team. So this is going back to 2014. Basically, all the quizzes I'm going to give you are within. 2013 2014 so that's when i had the most fun <laughs> and this is this is west ham nil spurs one potch's first game wasn't it two one was it just one nil oh they missed the penalty didn't they dire yeah. in the last minute do you remember yeah, I, I remember that yeah came through ball yeah uh fine so in goal you had larice then you had a right back a center back then you had dire as the other center back and rose on the left mm-hmm then you had two central midfielders. Then you had, I'm guessing, Lamella on the left, Ericsson in the middle, someone on the right, and then Adebayor up front. So I'm after centre-back, right-back, centre-mid, centre-mid, right midfield. Now, right I, think, I think I know the right-back because he, he got, got sent off. Sent off yeah, his, oh, Carl Norton. Yeah, I'm a bit annoyed about because I thought that would be quite difficult. Yeah, Carl Norton. And it was a stinker of a red card as well because it, it was like on the line and the ball just got smashed at him and it hit him on the arm and he was off. It was rough. Um, Centre half die, um, might have been. I feel like Dawson. Yeah. Got then, go on, you had it on you. You almost said it, I think. I was gonna say Dawson, but I'm, oh, not, no. I'm not sure. I've got a Eunice Cabal, yeah, that's right. I mean, Cabal and Dyer at centre. I mean, there's not a lot of legs there, is there? Like, if you want someone to head a ball, <laughs> it's fine. But imagine, you know, um, Torres used to turn Vidic inside out. Imagine the fun he would have had against Cabal and Dyer. You know what? The f- funny thing about Eunice Cabal is actually had such high hopes for him I genuinely I thought he was going to go on and be a really really top centre half because if you just physically first and foremost like he was about 6-2 he was quick he was strong he was mm. great in the air like he could he could play like the ball at his feet he wasn't his main strength but he wasn't shocking he just used to make some terrible decisions yeah. you just like you would see him it's like you know when you're playing on FIFA and you're playing the, the computer at a level that's probably a little bit too low and you just see their centre-back just vacate space and just run and move? There's often players, I say Oria, they're better. If you're controlling them on FIFA, it's better than them playing. You you have their physical attributes, <laughs> but you've got your brain on them. That's exactly the same. Yeah. Um, so you just call, um, did I need the left-back or did you give no, me that? Danny Rose. Danny Rose. The two central midfielders... Um, Pochettino, Mate. Ryan it's, Mason. No, that's a good guess, but it's, um, no. potentially Nabil Bentaleb. Nabil Bentaleb is uh, one of them. Um, I'd have to guess and say Dembele. No, or was he injured at the time? Probably. Um, it's, I think he's. Is he? He's. Was it Etienne Capou? It is Etienne Capou. I had massive high hopes. That's a mate, cracking yeah. guess. Um. But I had massive hopes from Etienne Capou. I thought he's—I love a defensive midfielder, and I think you do too. I just—I thought he'd be great, but he's in the Championship now, and he just—I think he was incredibly, incredibly unlucky with his time at Spurs because I remember him coming in, and didn't he like smash all of the medical fitness tests? Like he was the best ever in the Premier League or something like that when he came <laughs> in, and everyone was like, "Whoa! Like, what have we signed here?" And I remember he started the season. Um, this was because we've got him under AVB, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, and I remember him starting the season under AVB and looking really good. And we'd lost one nil at Arsenal early on in the season, and he played central midfield and he bossed it like he was absolutely brilliant. I was like, we've got a player here. And then he, he got a bad injury and he mm. was out for a couple of months. And then I remember he came back and he wasn't fit, and we had that centre back crisis. 
and he, he had to go set, he had to play at centre half and I mean he's just not a centre back and one of his first games playing at centre back was against Suarez which is <laughs> <laughs> not what you want can I um was it Capu and Dalton <laughs> I just Suarez, I just searched some stuff and Stambouli oh god do you remember I mean he only played 12 times for us but what was that about? And how on earth did he get to PSG after that? Who at PSG when, of all the midfielders in the world, that's the one I want. I it don't was, get it that. It's a weird player, Stan Bouley. All I remember, the only game I remember him playing is um, Sheffield United in the League Cup semi-final. He played in both legs and he was he was dreadful. Like mm. he, was, he looked shocking. Um, really poor player. So, yeah, Capu. And what was the other position did I need? I needed... Right midfield. Right I mean, midfield. Spurs legends, yeah. What a day that was, though, that West Ham game. Because I just oh. remember, because it wasn't on telly. It wasn't televised. No. And I remember having the commentary on. And I love it. Where, I love BBC London for Spurs commentary. It's so good, isn't it? Uh, they are biased towards the London sides, which you'd obviously you'd expect. Yeah. Um, but this was like, they were just, I think it was Bradley Allen was saying what a shocking red card it was. And the, and I specifically remember the the other commentator saying Mark Noble's going to take the penalty for West Ham. He's got a brilliant record from the spot, which to be fair he does. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, oh god, right, we're one nil down after 20 minutes. We're down to 10 men. Like this is not good. And then in putting the penalty wide, and then we just hung on, didn't we? We just yeah, defended yeah. the whole game. Yeah. And then for some bizarre reason, you're because Dyer then went to right back, didn't he? You're right back in injury time. Is making a run beyond the centre forward when you've got ten men. You're just thinking, what's happening there? What are you doing there? Um, and round the you, goalkeeper. Oh, what? I'll give what? you Mourinho's team. One. Uh, Gazaniga, Oria, uh, Sanchez, Dyer, Davis, Sissoko, Ndombele, Deli, Loselso, Sun, Kane. Which is a decent team, which we can put out now. You know what? What, what team was that for? That's Mourinho's first game. Not against West Ham. That's what I've got here. No, I vividly remember it being Dyer and Winks centre midfield, and it was Lucas, Delhi, Sun, Kane up top. I mean, look, this is what this article he just compared their first 11s. So well, I might have got. I don't remember Ndombele or, or Lo Celso playing in that game. Or maybe they finished the game, maybe. I don't remember them starting. Because yeah. he put Dyer straight back in and played him centre midfield, and he literally just. Stayed in front of the two centre halves and headed it and cleared it for ninety minutes. Let me let me let me get this tweet up from Spurs official. It's first status. It's been a proper roller coaster this year with Mourinho and the sign that our oh, the best transfer Gazaniga, Oria, Alderweireld, Sanchez, Davis. Where is this website? Right, this website was totally wrong. So Gazaniga, <laughs> Oria, Toby, Sanchez, Davis. Dyer Winks, Delhi, Lucas, Sun Kane. So just like three wrong there. That's embarrassing. <laughs> Someone's got paid to do that as well. I hope not very much. That's when I, I, I think ad blockers are all right when it's after shit like that. Uh, have you seen Wrexham? I So those you don't know, they, there's three clubs in Wales, right? There's Cardiff, there's Swansea, Wrexham. And that's blue, white, red. That That's the team. So you've also got Newport and then TNS and oh, a few others. But Wrexham have been bought by Rob McElroy, who uh, writes and produces and stars in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Great. Ah, oh, one of my favourites of all time. And then uh, Ryan Bloody Reynolds. They're, they're now the managers of Wrexham, which would be amazing if they called them Re- 
rum rex rum ham rex anyway i just it, it, it what is going on there that's madness it's not um, one of those things you know where like you play a game and it's like you, spin, yeah. you roll the dice and it's like one oh that's ryan reynolds two <laughs> it's Wrexham football club like it, it's that kind of yeah. it's that kind of thing that's happened it's just it's one of the strangest things it's amazing like, i'm all for the rise of Wrexham. like i want to see Wrexham barcelona in five years in the champions league like that'd be incredible i went to a wedding uh once where with emma's my wife's it, her best friend growing up she's a OBGYN a, a fanny doctor he is one of the best penis doctors in Portsmouth like legitimately one of the best and and, um, it's attract, didn't they? <laughs> and um yeah, they go together quite nicely and the the um so we're, and all of their family are in are in medicine all of them like and they they're, they're well off and they're great and I, I love them both right but I go into this wedding. Everyone's a doctor. None of them know what advertising is, which is what I work in, and none of so and none of them really care. So I had free reign to say what I did. So I made up a job. I said um, I was a bridge importer. That I when uh, there were bridges. Such a weird thing to make up. <laughs> the bigger the light. Well, because if I go I'm a fireman, they go, oh, that, that's all interesting, and then they they might know a bit about fire people but they don't know anything about important bridges. So I'd be like, yeah, well, when there's a stone bridge in like the Lake District or in, in Snowdonia that's been replaced by a steel bridge, I take that and I sell it to places in Africa um, because they need bridges. And, and people believe me. Well, did you say that you're the, the person you did the most business with was Junior Salanga? <laughs> <laughs> but that... The idea that someone would believe that is is as mental as someone going up to Ryan Reynolds or Rob McElroy and going, "Do you want to buy a football club? Like, how do you how do you land on Wrexham? I don't like, know. Buy also, one of the London just, clubs. Your your wedding story. It would have been amazing if the first person you'd spoken to was also a bridge importer. That would oh have been the best. That would I did that as well. Outcome I, ever. Mate, I went to a Christmas party with one of the C-suite from our office. You know her, who I'm talking about. And I mean, she's been in the bridge. So she knows everybody. So there was like our global, now global CEO was there. Loads of people from the industry. Now, in my head, this is a bit weird, but I like to think I've got topics of conversation for anyone. Like we can talk about football. I can talk about wrestling. I've got like mastermind level knowledge of sex and city. You can talk about importing bridges. Importing bridges, all of this stuff. And I'm really good at bullshitting, right? So in my head, I've got like a compass with the eight points of a compass and eight topics where I could just dive into it and bring stuff up. I've been to a couple of operas, not because I'm, I, I was just interested. So, and Wales has got a really, really, really good um, national theatre. And there was a guy in the kitchen. So I got talking to him and he was talking about opera. So I went, oh, do you know, uh, I've been to a cute couple of operas. Like, what's your favourite? And he started talking about stuff I'd never even heard of. And I was like, oh, like, you know, when you, you know, your level of knowledge, you, you just trouble. sort of shrink. And he was the, um, he's the arts and culture editor for the Sunday Times. I had no chance. <laughs> so did you let him, did you let, you let him finish and went, so when there's a stone bridge in the lake. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like owls? I had nothing. I had nothing. So good. So yeah. good. Uh, I suppose we should briefly talk about Man City, which is the weekend as well, and do a quick little preview of that. Um, yeah. Like you said earlier, we beat them 2-0 last year. It's going to be a tough game, right? I know that City aren't the formidable side that they maybe were a few years ago, and I always get the feeling that when you play against Man City, you're going to get chances. And given how clinical Kane and in particular Son have been so far this season, I'm going into that thinking, 
I think we've got every chance of, of taking three points there. And that will be massive for us. If we can beat them, we, op- we open up all of a sudden a little bit of a gap on them. Like it would be really, really big if we can if we can take three points. If you offered me a draw, I'd probably take it, but maybe that's me being a little bit negative. But um, I'm, I'm confident going to take them. I don't fear City anymore. I used to get really nervous when we were going to play them because I was just like, we're going to get absolutely battered. But now I go into that thinking, we'll probably get as many, if not more, chances than they will. And we've got the best two attackers in the league at the moment. Bring them on. Well, I just Googled Man City injuries. And the first two are from Goal.com. The first one says Aguero, Fernandinho and Sterling are back. And the second one says from Goal.com, the same place says Sterling is in, has got an injury. And he's probably not going to play. So who knows what to believe. But if you've got players coming back, they, they might be a little bit rusty. So hope, yeah. like Aguero's been out for a long time. Fernandinho is about 50. I, like you say, it, it, there's a rumour that... Um, What's it? Doherty has got coronavirus, which isn't yeah. great, but Oreo is okay. Um, is he? Like, that's, a, that's a penalty to City. <laughs> yeah, but Walker, you know, I think they yeah, yeah, there's, one, there's one already. And do you know what? I prefer Oreo to Walker. You know, oh, no, Walker. Mate, I, I think I think they're really similar. They're both as stupid as each other. Um, but Carl Walker. I, I don't know. I think they are. But I think Carl Walker is just a tiny bit less stupid and a tiny bit better at football. <laughs> Damning with the faintest of praise there. <laughs> I, wait, I go, we're going to win. Is it home or away? I, I know I should know. It doesn't matter, but uh, doesn't we've got matter. them at home. I think we're going to win. So I, I do as well. I think we're going to beat them 3-1. And I think it's going to be the Bale show. Well, I watched him for Wales and he didn't do anything. Um, saving, saving it for, for Sunday against City. Well, I mean, there's a little bit, in the, bit me that's worried about him. Like, how long is it going to take for him to get to full fitness? Because he's not a pace merchant anymore. But And he's obviously scored a goal and he's set, assisting. But there's there's a bit of me that's what, like, is he is he really past it? Like, what? what how, when are we going to see the best of him? Obviously, his football brain's amazing. And soon it'll, I'm sure it'll click soon. There's just a tiny bit of me that's beginning. I think to, it's hard because as well, like, when I watch him for Spurs, I still have him... Of still picturing picking the ball up and just pacing people up the wing, like that's my memory of him for Spurs. And obviously he hasn't been that player for a long, long time. I think that it's going to be cameo performances and coming off the bench and getting the winner. And it, I don't, I don't necessarily think you're going to get the bail that that destroyed Mike on no. the best right back in the world. I don't think that type of performance is going to happen anymore. But I think you're going to see him just more mature performance and tactically offering us something different and make an intelligent run. So. I'm quite calm about Bale. Like, I think that what he's done so far has been fantastic. I think, you know, if he can just if he can keep having the impact on games, then then that's great. I think if we get round to the new year and it's not quite clicking, then maybe you can start to have a question mark. But I'm I'm, I'm feeling quite calm yeah, about him at the moment. Yeah. But okay. fingers crossed for a victory, and we will review the City game and hopefully be celebrating three points in in next week's podcast Uh, thank you everybody for listening we hope you enjoyed the show and remember whatever happens future's bright future's lily white come on you spurs i always thought there was very very many people interested in football and i always thought that football was a very important game but i never realized until today just how important it is whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. 
We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. The curve of the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2! It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next? We are Blancheflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.